0: You are listening to Secret Handshake, the podcast covering the movies that help you identify your friends and maybe make a few more along the way. This week, spine number 36, 2019's 47 Meters Down Uncaged, and a whole bunch of shark movies with albino sharks, Sylvester Stallone's daughter, Jamie Foxx's daughter, bikinis, stock footage, the theme from Star Wars, more stock footage, Roy Scheider's gams, threesomes, Steven Seagull, chum, beer, fishing barrels, spear guns, exploding air tanks, and gay pirates. Jacob? Yes? But I want you to know something. You and me, it's not going to be a one-way street. Because I don't believe in one-way streets. Not between people, and not while I'm driving. So here's some advice I wish I would have gotten when I was your age. Live every week. Like it's shark week
1: yeah <laughs> uh, my hat is like a shark yeah. deepest blue is my hat is like a shark uh, deepest blue is my is like a yeah, blue is my is like a deepest, blue is my is like a
0: Gotta eat too. Looking for human flesh to rip my teeth. Done. Other fish in the sea for barracuda's equal to a half human predator created by a needle. Jeff Black eyes, baby, they stare while you sleep. A little Titanic sink. the one you go meet. Here a terrified screams, they around my team. more you see is trails of blood. Either God won't
1: intervene. Welcome back to another edition of Secret Handshake. I'm your host, Jacob Knight, and joining me as always is Martin Carlson. Martin. This one's for you, baby. Happy Shark Week. All them great whites, baby. This really was your idea. Like, I'm not even, like, making that shit up at all. Oh, yeah, because we were,
0: I think it was just, like, looking at what's coming up movie-wise. And I think the Reef Stalked was coming out. And that coincide, comes out Friday. For whatever reason, yeah. that caught our eye. Yeah, and, like, I follow the Shutter, you know, the Shutter what they're releasing. And yeah. I like the first
1: Reef, and I said, oh, shit, that's Shark Week. We should, and... <laughs> what a thing to exclaim out loud to yourself. Yeah. Oh, shit!
0: <laughs> and I live alone, so no one the, no one there to hear it. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: but I was, was like, oh, shit, we should do a,
0: a shark episode. And, and similar to when I pitched the kind of one-off we did on, like, The Abyss and Leviathan um, and the underwater horror films, adventure films of 1989, like, I love underwater monster movies. Like, next yeah. next to Slashers, they're my favorite, and then up there with Westerns, too, but i was like man i would never we've not done a shark episode straight up and what an excuse to watch a subgenre or just a straight up genre there's so many films that ranges from sublime to some of the worst things that ever been put mostly terrible mostly if terrible we're being
1: real like most shark movies are bad there's a reason why there's 8 billion of them in it's existence crazy. it's because like most of these actually are when you make them well they are notoriously hard to make, like Jaws. Uh, Fuck yeah! Known e- even more for its production woes, or just as much for its production woes as it is for like what a massive success it became. But I mean, it, the other part of the like shark movie production conversation is the fact that how much of it, like, if you're just like a huckster out to make some like a couple dollars. You can just get a bunch of stock footage, like pretend like you put people on a boat, shoot some girls in bikinis, couple good like bloody shark shots, edit it all together into like 78 minutes and you got it. And then also in like the asylum era and like the post uh, Sharknado era, it's all like really janky CG.
0: Well, the thing about silence so crazy is they'll pay for, like, one CGI shot per movie and then re-fucking use it. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. And, I mean, Sharknado is their... They started putting a real budget behind that series once it kind oh, of yeah. blew up on sci-fi. Like, that was, like, their, their kind of a, A-list sci-fi It became production. their baby. It, when it wasn't... They have five Sharknados now. I really do hate that series. Um, but... And I... Most of the Asylum films, like, two-headed shark attack up to six-headed shark attack. Like, it's fucking ridiculous, but... They're all like Asylum. Either does mockbusters, or they do shark movies, and they do crossovers like um, shark to puss versus, you know, crocosaurus or what have you. There's the one where it's a giant metal shark. It's like it's almost like mecha shark. It's crazy.
1: Which I mean, in theory, sounds awesome, but it's the asylum making them. I mean, th- there are like great articles out there where you can dive into like what makes like, what in incredible business the Asylum has become because, like, they literally do just shit that stuff out as quickly as, like, they need to to make, you know, capitalize on whatever huge movie is coming out that week. And, like, people will watch it for whatever fucking reason because it does trick even some people into being, like, wait, Dune Soldiers? That's the same as Dune, right? That's the one with Jason Momoa. People,
0: Asylum... Understands humanity and Americans more than I think than any other entity. They're like, be like, oh no, no one's that dumb. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they, they are. And they'll they'll rent Dune. I remember seeing. They'll Act. know that one word from the title is in it. And they're like, that's the movie. Well Remember, like, because like uh, Terminators is not <laughs> is not um, actually copyrighted. So they had terminators, they had Transmorphers, I am Omega. I mean, the list goes on and on, um, Atlantic rim instead of Pacific rim. Um, my friend was played John Wilkes booth and, and Abraham Lincoln versus zombies instead of Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter. Um, cause in Atlanta, did I you watch it? Um, no, I mean, he, I saw, I watched his scene. Um, okay, he's like, I got to shoot one of those old school Gatling guns, which was cool. Um, because I think they shoot most of it over like a North Carolina, like Wilmington area. That sounds right. And because when I was in Atlanta, like there was a lot of my like actor friends. Would be like I got cast in an asylum movie. <laughs> like no one was like ever excited about it, but like they paid like okay, and it was a job. Yeah. So, but it's better than not getting paid. Yeah, but but again, sharp movies are a huge part of like their production schedule and. You know, I have I subscribed to Tubi, which is you know this free streaming service, and half their catalog is shark movies.
1: Yeah, you type in shark, they have like three hundred fucking shark movies. Just another reason why Tubi is the streaming service of the people. Well, oh, it's got it's got it's got almost every Dolph Lundgren film and almost every
0: like shitty shark movie. So like I'm good. Like that's all I need out of a streaming service.
1: You're just being like Tubi's flavor flav right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yeah. yeah. And they got Dolph. All of it. That's all I need out of life. But kind of like our last episode with Night of the Juggler, uh, part of this is based on the fact that we did a marathon together, too. We actually did two marathons back to back. We did one uh, July 4th weekend, yep. which is the shark marathon. And then we did one July 10th, uh, which was the our kind of secret handshake marathon that we did with a bunch of our buddies. But the shark marathon was... Just us. Specifically, <laughs> also just for this, to so where we were like, we picked five shark films, laid them all out. Carrie went out of town. So you came over. We made chicken wings, drank beer, and watched shark movies the day before Fourth of July. And it was pretty awesome.
0: It was fun. And um, similar to our listeners, uh, Jacob put together a one file with trailers in between and like all the like. Interstitial, like go to the lobby to get your popcorn, which again creates the atmosphere, and we had a lot of fun. And one of the things I think our biggest learning from watching these films, these five and others, is there's two types of shark movies: shark movies and shark adjacent movies. Yes, and I think a lot of movies that have shark in the title aren't even shark movies; like they're shark adjacent. So.
1: Um even Shark Attack. Shark Attack, I would count as almost shark adjacent because they're barely in the mood. There's like barely any actual shark attacks in it. It becomes like a straight up just new image action movie by the end.
0: Yeah, and they're um they put it on the cover, they put it in the title, and you have a lot of films almost like films like um Into the Blue with like Paul Walker. Like right. if, if that's a shark-adjacent movie, that's like how much shark we get in some of these movies where it's like about treasure hunting or you know an action film like you said that happens near the water where sharks are somewhat part of the plot or they're a danger or we have our one of our favorites of these five
1: yeah i was gonna say the the first movie of the marathon uh shark's treasure Oof. that we watched from 1974 it Those after jaws yeah oh wait is it mm-hmm. okay and I, think I so I think it's 76 then yeah. or whatever. But it's like it's written, directed, produced and by, starring. And starring Cornell Wilde, The Bulge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old school s- sex machine Cornell Wilde and all of his chess-haired speedo-filling glory. Um he makes this <sighs> I don't know any other way to describe it than vanity project, mm-hmm. because like, even though it feels like an exploitation movie and it's released by United artists. So like there's some oomph behind this picture. Yeah. But it like, it's about a guy who's down on his luck about to have have to sell like his boat because he's a, he's a captain uh, because he owes a bunch of money and he decides he's going to go seek out this sunken treasure and, with, like, some. A kid found some evidence yeah, of it. Yeah, and kid found some him. evidence of it. Comes to him. He's going to go, like, seek out some sunken treasure. It just happens to have, like, sharks around it. And there's, like, a whole sequence where they go underwater and, like, kill a bunch of sharks, which is pretty icky. We were saying um, it's very wake and fright.
0: Yeah, exactly. He just, like, like straight up murdering live animals on film, which is
1: pretty gross. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gnarly. Um, but, like, he puts a crew together that includes Yafet Kodo, which is pretty great, and then a couple others. And then. They, the shark killing stuff is really like the end of the shark stuff because halfway through the film, this becomes a pirate movie where they're hijacked by pirates who well, turn out to be, gay pirates. Well, because they're they're
0: runaway, um, they're runaway prisoners that they es- they escape kind of a Papillon like prison, like this like island prison. Yeah, and they take to the seas. In like a little dinghy. Like, and then they just, while the rest of them, I think, are underwater or they're asleep, these guys just get on board like cool. Yeah, they just and, hijack them. And it becomes this whole other movie. And it actually becomes really interesting. Like it, it, like we were both like, wow, that's actually like... It's weird. It's weird, but like it's not boring. Um, it
1: becomes almost like a prison movie yep. on a ship to where these guys and they have kind of a similar dynamic to where there's there's kind of a a weaker let's say more morphe member of each crew yep. um and it becomes about how they like they make their prison bitches do stuff and there's like that extended weird sequence where they make them like strip down and like mock them and do all this shit and they're like begging no don't make me do it daddy and you're like this movie took a fucking turn somewhere, but because it becomes like this weird prison like movie about how like men relate to each other and yep. like emasculate each other and like sexually emasculate each other. Make and them put on a fucking bikini. Yeah, like it's it it just gets real weird real fast and you're like, oh, okay, but to your like you said, um it's interesting. It's it's not at all the movie that we thought we were signing up for when we got shark's treasure. Um, but I'm glad that we watched it. I The weirdest part is that it kicked off a shark movie marathon, and I'm like, ah, this is barely a shark movie. But it's, I mean, it's out there, and it it's a thing.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, so many of these films are... Jaws exploitation in one way or another. I mean, right. That was the original blockbuster. So like people were copying it then, and then they're copying it today. Like talk about a blockbuster that still has legs. there's never been a bigger shark film ever than Jaws. Like no, ever. I mean, there's never been a bigger hit. Like there's been, you know, and there's never, I mean, the Meg was probably a bigger movie budget wise than Jaws, but it wasn't
1: the hit, you know, and the cultural nowhere near the cultural. Yeah. That's icon. the thing to keep in mind. Like, Nobody's going to be talking about the Meg 50 years from now. People are like, I watched Jaws again this week and was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's perfect. Like, it's hard to criticize. It still moves like a juggernaut. And I've seen this movie probably 60 or 70 times at this point. And it's like, I know all the lines, but it doesn't matter. I get wrapped up in it every single time. It just has an incredible sense of like swashbuckling adventure that then combines with like, Still, some of the scariest shit I've ever seen in a horror movie. Like this is the ultimate animals attack movie. Well, and you just get
0: a young, hungry Spielberg too. I mean, like these like Hitchcock scenes of ingenuity with like with blocking and staging and editing. Like the classic one of the the um, swimsuits passing in front of Brody on the the beach, and he was like, it, so it never actually cuts, and he uses the swimsuits to wipe. Between shots, I and mean, what Brody and yeah. what Brody's seeing, it's like only a 25, 26 year twenty-six-year-old filmmaker is like, "I'm gonna make a big monster movie, but also like, I'm gonna do some really interesting stylistic things." And then everything once they get on the boat, and as you said, it was a nightmare to film. Like they say, like that's when the they say never film with kids, dogs, or on the water. I think it's what Spielberg said. He goes, and they had the the shark, which wouldn't work. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce didn't work. Wouldn't work. He's working with part two. Um, they use them a lot more um, in part two, but it's just a really it's a it's a masterclass in filmmaking. Obviously, it's it's one of those things too where it's lightning in a bottle,
1: where so yeah. much
0: was going wrong, but it ended up making it better in a way. Um, well, and also
1: like all the legends behind it, like John Milius basically writing the USS Indianapolis speech for Robert Shaw by yeah. like fax or whatever, and Shaw wrote part of it too. And it was yeah. Shaw's idea. I it was think. Shaw's idea, but like. I, I heard, well, I mean, in that Milius documentary, they say that he faxed over the monologue and it was, like, 17 pages long or some insane amount. And they used, like, a a page or two of it and cut it all together to make it a thing. But, like, he just shit this thing out and was like, there you go. And now it's, like, still one of the greatest scenes in all of cinema history. Well,
0: and... It's it's so Milius. It's very Walter Hill, too. Those guys are so similar. And right. like, And then, and Milius was that guy, I mean, with with um, like Buzz uh, Fetchins, the producer, like they were buddies. And he would just like hang out in some of these offices, like for like Hunt for October. And they're like, hey, we need a new speech for for the captain. And he's just next door, like, let's get John in here. And he just shits out all this amazing once we, are we play out the most dangerous game. Like he was just yeah. always there to be just here's some gold for you. <laughs> you well, know? sort
1: of like with Bruckheimer and Simpson, if they ever needed a punch up, they're just like, what's Robert town doing these days? Absolutely. Um, but, I, but I, speaking of jaws, I want
0: to get to a point that you made off, off Mike is that there are no other shark films like jaws, even really plot wise. There are a few, they're more like jaws Two. And yeah. And, and one of the things, and we were talking about watching these the and and then we've been watching more the the subsequent weeks is that, you know, Sh- Jaws 2 kind of set the template for most shark horror films. Uh, and The not Shark or one was the full-on shark attack movies. And they kind of move like a slasher. You know, yeah. they, they really are, are often... They're, they're set PC, so it's like kids getting picked off one by one. They have the kind of sense of the numbers they talk about with slasher films. Like, oh, here's Tom Savini's crazy kill in The Prowler. It's like that, but with a shark attack. Well, like, and what's it's, the gimmick, you know.
1: The, it also shares the same thing with slasher movies in terms of like, especially summer camp slasher movies. And then it's all about isolation. It's about getting these kids out yep. in the middle of the ocean where nobody else can hear or help them. And then having sharks circle their boat and like start knocking shit over getting them in the water and then you know they bite the shit out of them and it's it's strange watching jaws 2 because i know this isn't original thought i mean i, I even wrote a whole essay on it for uh, birth movie's death like 6 or 7 years ago whenever it was published um that this is like it's a high seas slasher like it's yeah. it even like chief brody he's fucking is the main character, but he becomes tertiary at certain points. Like he's Loomis. Yeah. Once we, exactly, that's yeah. the best way to put it. And then, while well, all the kids become our main characters about halfway through the movie, and you pointed out to me when we were watching uh, the Reef Two Stalked last night, um, you were like, "Oh, it kind of has the same exact." Uh, plot mechanics as My Bloody Valentine, identical. Like it's all like Jaws Two is almost identical in in shape, script wise at least to uh, My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, I mean, I never or, thought about that until you said that.
0: Well, and I, I spent a lot of time alone thinking about sharks and slashers. So I think these things just come out of the ether,
1: <laughs> just staring into space. You are like, you know what? Harry Warden was sort of like the shark in Jaws Two. Well, it's um. It's cool
0: because both of them play with, like, My Bloody Valentine is not a sequel, but it plays like a sequel. There are these, these deaths happened years before, like a full-on like slasher night happened in, like, what, the 50s or 60s, right? Right. And they have since canceled the Valentine's Dance. And these kids have all lived in the aftermath of, like, well, why well, can't we have any fun? And you, they don't go all the way with that in Jaws 2. There is that sense of worry, you know, definitely from Chief Brody. Um, most of the town has moved on and said, hey, let's just get back to normal, right? But Brody, and with his kids specifically, is like, I don't want you out there that much. Like, and especially once they start to see deaths, he's like, come in, do not go out on the water at all. And you have, again, that second half where Brody realizes the shark, a shark is back, a big, great white shark is back, while the kids are unaware of that, are out on their day sail. And then it's him... Needing to catch up with them and kill the monster.
1: They do something weird with Brody's character in this movie, too, that I've never liked, even though I really, really like Jaws 2, is that they kind of make him the village idiot for a minute, and it doesn't feel like the same chief Brody it as one no for a minute. Like it's just like everybody forgot that, like what, three years earlier or whatever, like he saved everyone from this giant killer great white. And now, like, he comes in, like, thinking, like, basically putting together more hard evidence than he kind of had in the original Jaws. There's, like, an exploded fucking boat, divers who are mauled. There's even a photo of the shark where they're like, nah, it doesn't look like a shark. You're like, that is a shark's eye, 100%. But it's like, they still are just like, this man is a maniac. And then they vote him out. They literally fire Chief Brody. That that. Part in the movie always makes no sense to me. I'm just kind of like, really? This is it? And they also make it all about um his wife's career as she's kind of trying to get into local politics, sort of, and he becomes almost like a liability for her to where they're like, there's a point where he goes off. I think it's when he's he fires into the yeah. his gun into the 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 ocean at the school of bluefish, and that they're like pulling her away and being like, come, here, come with us. Ellen, the crazy, your crazy like, husband, yeah, yeah, leave your crazy husband be. And she kind of goes with him like you fucking bitch. Like what is, what is going on? Like, this is crazy.
0: No, it is the ultimate like sequelitis problem where it's like, okay, like you said, it's been three years. Um, he just killed a shark. You guys know
1: there are great whites. He now- didn't just kill a shark. He went down in a, a boat, like sank. And then he blew blew a fucking shark up with a tank, like an air tank. And there were witnesses, like they saw it happen. So it's like, well, I don't know, man. It's hard to not, like, I feel like you get a, a bigger grace period in terms of like heroism than just three years. And especially if they start being like, if you're like coming to the beach and being like, well, there might be another shark. And they're like, shut the fuck up, idiot. And you're like, what? He saved you before. <laughs> like, maybe he knows a thing or
0: two about this. Yeah, it's like Fast Times and Amity. You know, things go real quick. They're like, hey, we're ready to, like, build. You know, fucking Stefano from Days of Our Lives as, like, oh, yeah. the new, like, he's trying to build all these, um, like, condominiums or whatever. And it it does, I mean, it's one of those things where it feels like a complete Hollywood sequel. You could tell they're like, we need to do one. And people are like, hey, I'm sure. I guarantee the screeners like Carl Gottlieb, who worked on this one too, right? Who wrote the, Who wrote? The part, co-wrote the original was like, hey, so doesn't really make sense that Brody would be like the crazy like like weirdo when he just saved the whole fucking town before, and we're just going to ignore that now. And it's, but again, like it's so we talked about this too. It's more of a B movie than Jaws one. Like Jaws one, you know, again. Like blockbusters created the sense of taking a B movie plot and making it
1: an A movie. You this know, is the, exactly that too, probably to a greater degree. This is actually because a B B it feels trashy, you yeah. know, in a way where Jaws never does. Like this actually feels exploitative, kind of like a cash in. The violence is a lot meaner. Um, they traumatize a child <laughs> at one point, and then like they actually don't just blow the shark up this time. They electrocute it.
0: My, I actually prefer the, the death of the shark in this one, than to the explosion, because I say, I text you that shot. It's a cool fucking shot. Oh of yeah. Him holding the wire down and the shark is, he's just, he's staring down like playing chicken with the shark. And it's just this awesome wide him in the center dwarfed by the ocean and by the shark. And it's like, Man, shit's gonna go bad. And they, I remember seeing that. I saw this for the first time in a hotel with my brother. When I was like eight, right? And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" And it's very swashbuckling too, of him like crawling across the the wire. There's like the physicality. Well, he's and on kind like of- Trash Island or whatever it is where they electrocute him. Well, it's um. It's, it's, you call it Cable Junction. I think it's where all the wires okay. that run to the islands run from. It looks like to. a shithole, man. Well, I think it was actually built by the... by the Because it's not a real island. I think it's like foam. Right. Because you can tell it's like fake rock on okay. the outside. I think they didn't have an island. <laughs> I think they built it for the movie. Um, but I love that finale. But you were saying also, and I watched it alone, but how shrill all the female characters are in this Oh, movie. God, yeah. They're just like... they all. They're just... Complete basket cases. I mean, of course, I would be too I saw a fucking shark, but like even Michael, his kid, is kind of cool. <laughs> it's like,
1: eh. <laughs> like, when well, you get some good Keith Gordon action in this too, like really young, pre really uh, young. dressed to kill, yeah. kill as well. So, is it the same year? No, two years before. 80s, it's right? dressed R- to R- kill, right? Yeah, 1980s, dressed to, to kill, seventy-eight. Yeah. Because this was, and it's also a gorgeous film because it's shot by, a, like, the director was a French cinematographer, right? Jean. G- Gino Schwartz. Gino Schwartz. That's it. Yeah. And like the movie looks great. That's the thing is it is a pure B movie, but the production values are a plus. So you can't really turn it down. But to jump off of your point, the thing that makes jaws too special is that it lays out the rules for shark movies that yeah. we kind of see, or at least like the elements for it. So it's like partying kids boats out in the middle of nowhere Shark starts to stalk you. And then it's almost like a series of little set pieces, like knocking people in the water, like dragging them under. Somebody usually crawls onto an island at one point to try and get away. Like you almost have a a, like formula that you can put together just by watching like this shark attack two is actually a better uh, shark attack movie than shark attack one. Um, we, we did cover three major shark franchises. Let's say you have jaws, which I watched, uh, all four, and then we have the shark attack movies, which I only got through two. I still have to watch Shark Attack Three: Megalodon. But I sent you that wonderful clip. You did, uh, <laughs> which we, I I'm not going to repeat what the line is. Yeah, it is on our Twitter feed though, so you can go check out uh, one of the greatest moments <laughs> in line reading history. It's from pretty sh- insane. Yeah. From sh- yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and then the Reef, which one of the other reasons we wanted to do it uh, for Shark Week is that uh, The Reef 2, um, Stalked, comes out on Shudder this week. this yeah, Friday. Friday, yeah. Yeah, and we, we watch those as well. But I mean, The Reef 2, better shark movie probably than The Reef. Or at least you get more shark in it.
0: More shark and more body count.
1: It's a, it's a slasher much mentality. Higher, yeah, exactly. It's the, much it,
0: higher body count. You know, the Randy rules, right? What's the more body count, more deaths
1: yeah. in the sequels? You it know? follows a lot of the same kind of logic, let's say. And then Shark Act 2 is an insane movie because first off, it's made by David Wirth, who was our boy. our boy who made Poor Pretty Eddie and then pretty much more or less directed Death Game, which we saw at the, the Exhumed Films, 24-hour uh, uh, last year. Speaking of which, have you gotten your tickets yet? I still need to. Damn, son, you got to get that I know. shit. I even have my hotel room. You're all they, booked up. You know what? I'm going to sleep in your tub. That's fine. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just me borrow a pillow. Uh, Shark Attack 2 takes elements from literally every Jaws film and then mashes it together into like this bizarre remix that's almost like one of the other movies that we watched during our marathon, Cruel Jaws. One of the most illegal, immoral acts of cinema ever committed that's also just bliss. Yeah, it kind of makes you happy to be alive. Like
0: you watch Cruel Jaws, you're like, with the world falling apart around us, but also Cruel Jaws exists... You know, yeah the world's worth saving. It stars a Hulk Hogan body double? It's his stand-in. Yeah. yeah. But he looks like the Hulkster. Yeah. You know? Um, but I uh Shark Attack 2, it's a new image and we talk about this. It's the Avi learner stuff, and he was shooting everything it seems like in, in like in South, South Africa, Africa and other parts. Cause I know they shot that's where they also shot sweepers with Dolph Lundgren and a couple other films that he was in. Well he lived um, Bridge in, of Dragons, I think, was there too. Yeah. He yeah. lived in South
1: Africa for years and like invested in a bunch of stuff there. Yeah, I believe he even invested in a movie theater chain in South Africa. He was making one. it
0: for the chain, right? It wasn't
1: part I, of the idea of the movies. He had already sold the chain by the time he was making these Shark Attack films. But yeah, he was essentially doing the thing to where like he was almost like Golden and Globus, to where it was like, we're buying these theaters, we're making these movies, we're putting them out into video stores because these are pretty much just DTV, like almost sci fi level productions. But I mean, Shark Attack 1 has Casper uh, Van Deen after Starship Troopers. Yep. Randy right right Hudson after. is the bad guy. Um, and, you know, that's not a spoiler. Like when Ernie Hudson shows up in this movie as the real estate mogul of this small, like South African fishing, like fishing village, he's more or less just twirling his mustache the entire time. Like, it's pretty ridiculous. And then the second movie, though, it's Sark Attack has another one of the great kind of tropes of the shark movie and that they're genetically altered. A yep. lot of the time yep. because they were trying to usually develop some kind of drug or a weapon or a weapon. But like this one, like Shark Attack, they're trying to make like almost like a miracle drug yep. out of their brain stuff. Like Deep A Blue lot sea. like Ble- Deep Blue Sea is another one. Uh, but then Shark Attack 2, they're just... They're like the 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 genetically altered sharks are, they, are from, still from part in the water, one. Yeah. from part one are still like hanging out. They've bred like Jurassic Park. Yeah, they've bred. It's like their children, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So, but then there's like an amusement park in shark attack Two, like in the first like 20 minutes. That's how the sharks escape into the wild. There's a quint character, but he's crocodile Dundee. They team, (laughs) they team up. Um, there's a revenge plot line. There's an evil like mayor who's like up to no good with the sharks. Like it covers all the bases. Yeah.
0: It's got, I think my favorite part is the lead and he was another soap opera actor. I think he was on, uh, as the world turns. I remember like okay. I, when I was growing up, um, during the summer, my mm. friend Karen, her grandma would watch us. We'd go over and she'd like, Oh, come stay like I'll make you macaroni and cheese and hot dogs, but you gotta watch soaps with me. So we'd watch like Young and the Restless and you know, all that shit. Was like, that grandma was getting her stories. Yeah, she was getting her stories. Was, we always had a really good fucking time. She had like a, a fucking like uh really cool like backyard we could explore and stuff, but um I remember seeing um, watching this movie when I was younger too. Remember, I watched all these when they first came out. Because like I would, I was like, oh shit! Like any shark movie at the video store, I would rent. And I still now again, I'm way fucking behind because I could watch shark films for this minute till the day I die, and I wouldn't watch them all. I just don't, I just don't think There's <laughs> too many. There's just too many. But um, my favorite thing about this film is the lead. Is what a charisma vacuum like. It's edit- just a block of wood. Even the editing does him no favors. Like he'll tell these jokes, and it will just linger on his face. I'm like, dude, if you shaved a half second, this guy'd be looking a lot better. But he just tells these lame dad jokes. Also, you know, during our intro, I said, you know, Chief Brody's gams. Like Roy Scheider's got some great fucking legs. Like he, like geek, like I can rock some shorts like no one's business. This motherfucker shows up with a dolphin's t-shirt cut off workout. Sh- and, like, tennis shoes. I'm like, you are not dressed for a shark hunt, sir. Yeah. Like, it is so he looks <laughs> like
1: he's going to Gold's
0: Gym. <laughs> it's actually like, it's like going to a fucking volleyball tournament. Like, what are you doing with your life?
1: There's a lot of weird choices in this movie, um, as with a lot of these shark movies. Well, and the other one, when you get to the Reef films, is that they hinge plot-wise on another trope of the shark movie, and that's, like a bunch of tourists go out and either get left behind or stranded in some way and have to float and, and try to swim back to safety in the middle of the ocean. Like this is a, Very much the open water style of plotting because that's the first movie that I always credit in my Mm -hmm. head as as like the ones where it's like, oh, they got left behind and now they have to fend for themselves.
0: Open water, pretty terrifying movie. Oh, I I saw that in the theater with my brother and like what, $24,000 budget? Yeah. Shot on those like... um,
1: Consumer grade like DV cams. Yeah.
0: And um, the guy who did that, did the remake of Silent House. With um, which I didn't hate with uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Right. Um, But I I think you're right. There's what's cool about the shark genre is like, yeah, there's like these rules set out with the kind of like slasher narrative of Jaws 2 that kind of goes off. But then you also have these other like little branch offs. And I think the reef, especially the first one, is one of them where it's, or the open water, where it's a more quote unquote realistic, they kind of are going for less, they're going for more survival movie, less horror shark movie. You know, it's it's more of the fear of, like you said, we're in the middle of the fucking ocean. Like well,
1: open water is almost Blair Witchy in a w- very weird much. way. Like, it's yeah. very much playing on the idea that these were real people. It actually yes. happened, and the footage kind of looks like home video.
0: And the, and the first reef, you know, is more like open water. The second reef, again, is going more into slasher territory, more people to die, um... More, you know, definitely more body count, more shark action. Well,
1: and the sharks act like it's called stalked for a reason. The sharks actually pursuing them because it's about a bunch of girls who go on a kayak trip and one shark begins pursuing them the entire time. Where the reef is about a bunch of tourists who basically get left behind, they float back or they try to swim back to safety and they're being hunted, but it's multiple sharks.
0: Is it multiple? I
1: think so. I think it's
0: one. Is it just Be- one? Because in, yeah, because it's their their boat flips. Yeah, their boat flips, and they're like, all right, we're either going to die because they're on top of the the um, capsized boat, we're either going to die in the heat here in the middle, like oh yeah, the fuck, because they're like near the Great Barrier Reef, which is just short, great white fucking central. Because they're Australian films, they're Andrew Trouke, Um right? And it's that yeah, them like okay, well we've got to fucking swim for it, and what Trauke does is really cool more in the first Reef, because there's a sequence in The Reef Stalked, which he also directed, that's really terrifying. We were watching, and we are like, all right, get to the fucking shark shit. And it, we were both just like, whoa, fuck, like this is, and then there's some egregiously terrible CGI. I mean, like really bad looking CGI in yeah. a few scenes. What he did though, and I think in the first, there's zero CGI. It's all compositing. So um, there's the shark, there's the the kind of chubbier friend in the first Reef who gets killed. Right. Well, the way they shot that was, they filmed him, um, alone. Then they went out and got their own shark footage and they basically put a fake green, like green screen dummy down for the shark to eat. And they composited it together. Oh, wow. Really? I didn't know that. That's how Troutky did it. He goes, I'm just going to, he, so, you know, we were saying one of the kind of staples of these, the cheaper ones is they use shark footage, but a lot of times it's not their shark footage. Right. Yeah. Troutky's like, I'm going to get the perfect angle. I need to put these two shots together.
1: It's I mean it really works. That's pretty crazy to also think about too that he got the shot then of that the best part in the reef is when the shark jumps out of the water slightly and goes over the one girl's shoulder. That might be there might have been some a little like trickery going on there. Yeah, but
0: still it's amazing.
1: Yeah, it looks great. The the new reef isn't terrible. Like there's about twenty to thirty minutes of like really great shark action in it. Um but the rest is kind of interminable because unfortunately with a lot of these, even the movie that we're going to talk about is the main movie episode, uh, 47 meters down uncaged, which again follows the great role of the set or the rule of like the second movie is the better shark movie than the first one. Um, you know, it's has like 20 to 25 minutes where you're just hanging out with these girls and getting to know them as they do, like, beach stuff or drink or, like, take selfies and shit. And, like, this is the part where you're you're almost like, I could watch this on one and a half speed and probably be okay. Because you yeah. get it all. I don't need the travelogue part. And then once you get to the shark shit, it's like, oh, shit. Okay. Now this is when the real movie happens. Unfortunately, with The Reef 2 you have some solid shark stuff and then there's a lull again and then some good stuff at the end. And
0: a problem with um, The Reef 2 as well, we talked about was one of the jokes we make about every horror film is it's about trauma with a capital T. Oh God. And it's so fucking tired. And again, I think trauma is a real real thing to deal with in art. But like, if that's just your fallback, there's this dumb shit in The Reef 2 where so earlier in the film, uh, the the horror from her background is her, her best friend is murdered by um, her husband, her abusive husband. And so she keeps flashing back to finding her friend um, dead in the tub, but also like seeing almost like from her friend's perspective, the husband killing her. And even while they're being attacked by the shark, her brain is going back to that. I'm like, I think your situation now now is a little bit more dire where you're, you know, you wouldn't be flashing. It's just, it's just tired and it's
1: stupid. Honestly, It tries to make a movie that doesn't need to be about anything more than sharks just attacking people, like, deep. And it doesn't have to be. You're just like, it's kind of like, I don't want to spoil anything. But we also watched uh, the new Predator movie, Prey. And we're going to have a whole lot to say on that in the future. But the one thing I will say, and I don't mean to speak for you, but I think we both found the movie refreshing because we were like, it's about a Predator. Who fights Native Americans? That's it. The end. <laughs> like, there's nothing else to that movie, and it's all the better for it because it's just a hundred minutes front to back of good action and like real gnarly gore. Yep, oh, I was I actually was going to bring up the same point, and we'll, I don't
0: get ahead of ourselves, and we'll talk about it maybe on an episode soon. Um, yeah, but yeah, that doing a pared down survival movie is is. Hard to do. I mean, hard to just make a freight train because the first Reef, I, I think it's a much better film than the second Reef because you have a little bit of characterization of the main two characters. Like they obviously were a couple before. He's gone off, I think, and done some stuff internationally. This her, the, the guy. They're back together. It's kind of the awkwardness of like, I missed you. But all it does is give it a little bit of spice. Open water is full on. Like it's
1: just two people. Like they're happily married. And then they're in the ocean. Well, in the ocean yeah. stuff, it is almost like shark adjacent because there really isn't that many sharks until the end. Yeah, it's almost like a one of the Link Ladder like before movies, just in water because you're just watching them kind of bicker and f- like fight and eat starburst, out their, yeah, eat <laughs> starburst and do their weird like work through the, like their insecurities with each other, and then I mean, it becomes a shark movie and then it, and they both die.
0: Well, it's. Something we were talking about with 47 meters down um, uncaged is that you know it, it has a very similar plot as does um, reef stocked in terms of characterization to uh, the descent so you right. have this group of of um, especially with reef um, stocked is they're kind of adventurer girls, right? Like that's their connection is they're either going snorkeling or doing other stuff together. The descent is very much that like they're you know, starts off with them whitewater rafting and then, oh, we're gonna go caving next. Yeah. And, um, that it seems like shark films also kind of soak up like what's happening in other types of horror films I- at that era, right? Like they're like, okay, we can just do that movie with a shark now, you know? And so the, it's, we talk about four centimeters down on cage. It's just the descent with sharks. I mean like beat for beat, it's the idea of, like, you're already fucked by being caved in. They're stuck in this cave. And then you add sharks to that. But the sense the same way, where it's like, oh, you're caved in. You could die in here even without the monsters. And you add that extra layer of, like, the, the you know, not supernatural, but monstrous creatures.
1: Well, and that's kind of what Johannes Roberts is really good at, because he made the strangers pray at night, yep. too, right? Which... More of a slasher. Takes is much more of a slasher and then takes the Stranger's aesthetic and really just updates it for like the neon post-synth wave Adam Wingardy kind of flashiness. And like it makes a totally different like Stranger's experiment like with it. And it's pretty fucking awesome. Like I think he's a really great stylist and that's what makes 47 Meters Down Uncaged work so well is that, again, you have to kind of trudge through the first 20 minutes of like character intro. It's not the worst of these, but it's also not great. But once we're in the cave, like it's as tense and like uncomfortable as the descent, because like you have cave-ins, they got to try to find their way out. They're running out of air. And then they're attacked by albino blind sharks.
0: And and there, I mean, you had never seen it. No. We watch it together. So I saw it in the theater alone when it came out and I was like, I went to Met- Metropolitan over on 35. Oh, yeah. And I was like, cool. And there was like no one in the fucking theater. I'm hooping and hollering and having a great fucking time. Like, man, what a banger of a, a horror film and a shark movie. And so I was like, man, I got to show this to Jacob. And then I remember like there's a couple scenes that are damn right like good jump scares. Yeah, they're but awesome. It's just like the shark is. And then it's like because there's three or four sharks and they're all scarred and they're blind and they're like they're albino. bino. Um, And what's so cool too, I remember when I heard the original plot, I'm like, oh, I have to see this is that it's in Mexico and it's, it is a, um, a flooded Aztec or Incan temple. And the idea is that like, in my mind is the sharks moved in following the blood you know, of what was left from all the sacrifices right. and now it's underwater and
1: oh, that's fucking cool. I, I never even thought about it. That's
0: actually. how I kind of, cause they're in these like temple Yeah, and I'm like, Oh, this is where, the, the, you know, where all the sacrifices happened, how there's giant fucking sharks. Like you could do a prequel to how they got in there, all that kind of shit. And, um, it's just so fucking pulpy. You know, it's just that great, like, you can see the pitch
1: on paper, and I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Well, and again, it doesn't try to be about anything else. Yes. Like, it's just, like, some of the best ones that we talk about here are the best because of that. They have no delusions of grandeur or pretentiousness about them. It's just, like, you know what would be cool? hot ladies go underwater, get into an underground temple, and are hunted by albino blind mutant sharks. And it's like, all right, cool. I don't need any subtext or anything else. Like, just give me that. That's it's, fine.
0: It's one of my favorite shark movies, just period. Like, yeah. I just really... I watch it, I've it. i watched it three times before we watched it for we, the...
1: You turned me on. It was fun because, like, when we did these movies, we picked the, the, the lineup together, and I picked... Two, two old, ones. old ones. Well, really, three by the end because we originally planned on four and ended up doing five. But I picked two old ones. You picked two newer ones, and I'd never seen Forty Seven Meters Down Uncaged or the second movie of our shark movie marathon, which was Shark Night Three D, and is fucking awesome. It's so good. Um, that and I was like, people to, hate this movie. Well, people are stupid. I mean, like, but I mean, they find it like offensive. I, I don't see it. I, I, well, I mean, I, it's, it's not a great film. Um, well, the black guy chucking the spear. OK, is a little. Sorry, that was not great. Yeah,
0: there's some. Mo- OK, there are some moments of like insensitivity. Yeah, but
1: it's a full on genre
0: movie. I mean, it's, it's an it's exploitation, ex- exploitation film. It even has Red
1: exploitation in it. It's sh- a shark attack movie. It's Donald like, Logue. <laughs> it's gory. It has Donald <laughs> Logue. It has... uh Ladies in bikinis, looking great. Like it doesn't. But again, it's not trying to be anything more than it is because it's also David uh, Ellis. Yep. Who did Final Destination two and then th- and five. He did. He did, yeah. th-
0: he did, th- he did the three D one or two. One of the three D ones because it's the bridge. Five, one. Five, five. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. four is also three D, but
1: he didn't do four. No, three's 3D. I thought 3 was the one that's 3D, the roller coaster one. Well, 4 also is, is and four, 5 is. Okay, well, that was during that whole 3D kind of boom that yeah. we were experiencing. But David Ellis, also like a second unit director for Action for years. I also think worked with the Wachowskis a little I bit. Think so. On, on like the freeway chase, I believe for Matrix. Uh, reloaded. Reloaded. Um, but like... He was really great at shooting these set pieces, and I he just makes Shark Knight three D into something it kind of shouldn't be because it's a again set up like a backwoods slasher where it's a bunch of kids go to a cabin to go drink, have sex, party, and then also get on the water, and they're attacked by freshwater bull sharks and other types and other
0: types. So the the you're talking about redneck exploitation. And what I love about this movie is that it, again, it takes in a different kind of horror film plot, which is you said a backwards kind of horror film, but they have a trapped monster of some kind. Right. And it turns out these guys have caught sharks all over the world and now want to do their own online fucked up reality show of the different types of sharks. They've caught. I think one of is a great, they had to have a great white, yeah, um, and they have a bull, the bull shark. Uh, they have the cookie cutter shark. It's really great scene. Oh they, yeah, they put her in this like kind of cage, and it's Catherine. What's her name from from American Idol? Uh, they drop her in, and she's like basically um, bitten apart by these little chunks. They take these like it's really re- gross, really freaky kind of shark. And it was a PG thirteen movie
1: too, um, but it, it gets pretty gnarly for what. Well, the one guy gets his arm bitten off. Yep, and then yeah, you have like the mini bites, and then also it just kind of has a a. It. overarching sleazy tone to it. Like yep. you kind of can't, bl- Joshua Leonard shows up as a, one of the rednecks who are breeding these sharks and is like sharpening his teeth. And he's just an icky. He feels like a, a character from like the seventies, like in like a, a drive in no like yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. Something like that to where you're like, huh? Eh. Like he doesn't belong in a PG 13 movie. Nothing he does is PG 13. No,
0: agreed, And it's, it kind of, it, and the whole Bayou, it's all the Bayou setting. It's super fucking cool. and it's I real actually, sweaty. I tried to watch this movie called um, uh, Swamp Shark, which is, I don't think it's <laughs> Asylum, but it was another to be, to be great, uh, you know, another film on Tubi. Um, but it's got Christy Swanson in it as the lead, and then D.B. Sweeney. Oh. And there's like a... An,
1: MAGA-ass
0: Christy Swanson. Oh, dude, and it was before she went... Off the fucking deep end there because I think it was like 2005 or something. Sure, but it's a terrible movie. I made it like 10 minutes in. Oh, Christy Swanson, she's it. so bad. And then Deep, but when D.B. Sweeney's your best actor, like you're in trouble. But like, the I like Cutting him. Edge. Yeah, uh, my my cousin Lindsay used to watch that three times a day. Like she had like a problem.
1: My dad strangely loved the Cutting Edge. And I like I part be two. Like, why are you into this figure skating movie? <laughs> That's so stupid. But I mean, Shark Knight 3D again like 47 meters down uncaged that's it it gives you exactly what you want and honestly with this one more like it leans into it to where it's like this is just gonna be icky trash empty calories and like you're either gonna like that or you're gonna be offended by it shark
0: night yeah i like
1: it's like fright night it's like a bad night of sharks yeah (laughs) i like that it's purposefully like almost offensive it's it's pretty great um Not as great as the third movie, though, which I showed to you, and it was uh, Reen Cardonia uh, Tinturera. The Tiger Shark. The Tiger Shark. Reen Cardonia. What a a bizarre auteur that guy is. Mexican filmmaker and known for making pretty much just trash. Yeah. Like this, Cyclone, which is another uh, good shark movie that he made. It's kind of like his lifeboat where like a plane goes down, people get stranded, and then like they're actually swarmed by like a school of sharks that try to take them out. Um and then he also made a well, a Jim Jones movie. Mm. Guyana Called of the Damned. But this one is the most enjoyable film, Tinterera, because you kind of again it's more shark adjacent than anything else because it's kind of like a a hangout movie about a polyamorous couple and what happens when a shark like crashes the party and doesn't, you know, adhere to proper group sex etiquette. Yeah, it's. I really loved this movie, and you. I think you had mentioned
0: a couple of months ago. Like it was you had just got the Blu-ray, I think, and I'm so happy you're doing this episode. I'm always down for a shark movie. I mean, yeah. I was like, let's watch a shark movie, and. You were kind of like, "Well, it's not really a shark movie." Like you you kind there of There
1: are sharks in it. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's got a cool cover with a, you know, a tiger shark. It's a really fucking weird movie. The pacing's weird. Um, but And we watched the shortcut. There's a 2-hour version of that film. But I I mean, I liked I love the setup of this movie of it's just this kind of womanizer guy, Hugo who, Stieglitz. Hugo Stieglitz just, you know, with his fro and Cardonia's
1: main man just falls in night of the night of a thousand cats too. another great reading Cardonia movie.
0: When he's I mean, he's really fun in this. And you have Susan George um, mm. and then the third guy. And it's like it's kind of a touching, weird look at people kind of finding each other like they're all these kind of like. They all seem like rich people who've like found the end of the world. It seems like like they're all just kind of wallowing in paradise and like looking for meaning. I don't know that was purposeful from Cardonia, but it feels like it's just these like people who really don't have anything to worry about. You know, they're just kind of wealthy and they're like, I can just
1: drink and fuck all day. And they're like, they're looking for love in a way inside of that. It exists on island time. Yes. Like 100%. It's all about these these rich folks who like do nothing but have orgies and hang out and drink and smoke pot and then kind of almost like create their own morality in a weird way is that, and they have a pact with each other where they're not going to get jealous of one another. And she sleeps with one of them one night and one the other night. And it's just a, a very odd, but like you said, touching and poignant relationship and bond that they all Uh, share together because I mean the main tragedy is at the end one of them dies by a shark well he dies earlier the the third
0: right because then it's it is this you know there's always a uh an external um they're living this kind of you know freewheeling lifestyle and really kind of enjoying each other's company and the shark comes in as the external catalyst that always comes in in a romantic comedy of like either another a former lover or something where it kind of derails it. And like their, their, their summer of love is over. Like, it's like the shark just comes crashing and kills this guy. And it's like, she's, he's like, you can stay like her Or i um, sorry. Stieglitz is like, why don't you stay with me? And she's like, it's just not the same. Like I have to go. And then the last part of the film is him kind of just wallowing alone and like, and he's looking for hookups it's sad as fuck. Yeah. It's like he found this kind of perfect love triangle where they could be happy. That was all taken away, and now it's like, all right, well, fuck. I was gonna drink and like fuck myself to death here on this island and love no one. And then there's the final shark attack of like it's him at his most like, hey, you guys all want to come out to my boat? He's fucking drunk. Let's all swim out to my boat. And while they're swimming, Tinturera comes in, and tears them all to pieces, and that's the end of the movie. It's the most existential of the shark movies really that we watched. It really is. Like, and I don't know if that was all purposeful on Dardennes' part, but like I really found the film pretty fucking
1: deep. <laughs> I found a lot to like, I don't know, to kind of grab onto in the film. Like we introduced him as a trash maestro, but like I really like his movies. Like he's actually crafting things that are interesting to watch. They're idiosyncratic, they have odd pacing about them, but like they're all hypnotic in a way because you really fall into their vibe. They, I mean, they have the feel of like a Jalo,
0: that kind of like yeah. dreamy. Like partly because it's sun soaked, sun soaked. Post post sync does that to me too. Any film with like post sync dialogue
1: lulls me into this weird. Like well, it, it has just, um, a score by Basil polydorus Polidors too. So you're like the music in it is incredible. It's gorgeous. Like I. And Basil Paul is like
0: maybe my favorite film composer of all time.
1: Yeah, um, and so, his disco kind of mournful disco beats that he brings to this movie are fucking great.
0: Yeah, this was a movie like we've I've had a couple in the last couple of weeks with you like this and like Night of the Juggler and also um, Born to, Born to Win. Yeah, um, was that, is it Born to Win? Yeah, that where I was like, wow, these are like kind of masterpieces that now I want to watch a lot. And I haven't had that experience in a while where I was like that blown away. And like, why has it not been
1: part of my, my regular watch list? And now I'm happy to add them all great, uh, very loose, almost hangout films too.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, and hangout films can go bad too. Like they can have no pacing and just be like, Oh yeah. Where's your fucking plot. And since rare, for some reason, like you cannot look away. And I was surprised by again, and it also has sharks, too. So I get my cake and I get to eat it, too. <laughs> you know, where it's like I get all this kind of really weird kind of romance film, this dark character piece, plus a shark.
1: What, what more do you need? Yeah. I mean... Well, honestly, that day, what more I needed was 47 Meters Down on Cage, which fuck, came at number yeah. four. And then we finished and we realized that we had time for one more, so we, we put on the ultimate mind melter that is... Uh, Bruno Mattei's Cruel Jaws. One of the ultimate Italian trash rip-off pieces of shit that, frankly, I believe the disc... Severn put it out like a year or so ago on Blu-ray, finally. And even when it was announced, everyone's like, will this disc ever see the light of day because of all the copyright infringement that he basically, you know, uh, uses to make this movie? Because you have everything... From from the theme from star Wars to borrowed footage from from Jaws, Enzo, from Jaws and Enzo Castellari's uh, great white, the movie that universal more or less banned in the United States because it was a direct Jaws ripoff. It even contains like the famous, like helicopter eating, uh, uh, set piece from Jaws 2. Yeah. Uh, it recreates that in, in Great White. Uh, another great uh, exhumed screening where at the 24 hour the the one they thought was going to be the last one uh, before the pandemic, um, the last one at the I-House, they did... Kind of like what they did with Patrick Still Lives is they did a a print of of Great White, an Italian language one, and did homemade uh, subtitles on the bottom. That's so cool. Which was amazing because it's impossible to see that movie in a theater otherwise. Um, But he uses, in Cruel Jaws, footage from that, the Hulk Hogan impersonator. And then there's a mafia subplot. Yep. Uh, It's all about Hulk Hogan needs to save his aquarium from, like, land developers again. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of shark attack in there, too. And then the main character is, like, a Matt Hooper surrogate who fucks, like, super hot exercise models and then calls the shark a motherfucker at one point. He's a fucking spaz.
0: <laughs> so he like, screams like half his life. He kind of reminds me... I think we, <coughs> we were watching. He reminds me a lot of the other... Uh, the the main male actor in Texas Chainsaw 3. Yeah. Um, Leatherface. Uh, he's also... I think he's one of John Cole uh, Buchler's like, dudes. He's also one of the guys who gets killed in Fire 13th Part 7. He has that kind of whiny, big... Like, while Huge tr- glasses. Huge glasses. And he... This movie is the ultimate brain melter because I can't believe it was made like every scene there's something. I'm like either they're just doing the dialogue from Jaws. Like there's a straight up like we're doing the dialogue from Jaws or hey, that's a shot from Jaws. And then just the I mean, the, the chair on top is the Star Wars theme. Like that's so insane. Well, what I, and I think I
1: think Severin was sued or at they least had to have been at least like, ordered with a cease and desist because the, the disc is out of print now. So it's harder to find. Well, but Disney I'm, owns all that shit, so you think this is going to come for your ass. Yeah, exactly. Using for that Star Wars theme. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> I have one, so we can watch it whenever we want. Let's watch it every day. It's Because, I mean, Cruel Jaws opens the door to, like, the Italian stuff Like Tentacles, which isn't a shark movie, but is is shark adjacent, let's say. I ran up
0: watching it, I was on a work trip and it was in my hotel on TCM. I was like, well, I guess I'm watching tentacles. Absolute maniac movie. It's
1: so weird.
0: John Huston's so drunk. Oh yeah. He's so drunk in that movie. And And Henry Fonda does not want to be there.
1: <laughs> you can just see him like just clipping the lines out. He's like, oh my God. I'm gonna butcher his name, but it's that it, it's the one filmmaker, uh, Olivetio Asantius. Asantius, yeah. I wanna say um, who did Beyond the Door, he did tentacles, he did nothing but rip-offs. Amityville 2, he directed. Oh, with
0: yeah, like with the what's his name?
1: Um the, Bert the, Young. Yeah, that was actually like the Ronnie DeFeo kind of like story. Yeah. Um and then he also did that movie that Draft House Films put out that Houston was also in, The Visitor. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, that's like that real psychedelic, insane movie. So like he's a bona fide, again, like trash master, uh, like Bruno Mattei. Um, but tentacles is, is crazy. Like it it has an octopus eat a baby in like the first 10 minutes.
0: There's a shot. I was watching it, and I was like, I'd been on a work trip and I was like zonked. I was like laying in my hotel room and I'm just like Eyes kinda hooded, just like having a beer and watching uh. this. Like it was like one AM and I'm like, I should go to bed, but also tentacles is on. Um, so the monster for most of it, the 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 fake monster they've built is really stupid looking. It's like it just looks like foam. It's just really crappy looking. But they use some real um, real footage obviously of octopus, um, octopi and squid as well, kind of interchangeably. There's yeah. a shot though. I think it's like midway through the movie where the girl goes out to find because like her, um, all her friends have been killed. Like they haven't come back. Her sister and they all went on that boat, and she goes out looking for them. Then her boat gets capsized by the the um, by the octopus, and there's this great shot. I don't know how they did it. It kind of it was like kind of jarring. She's in the water. And she turns and, like, out of the darkness, it's like they used real footage of a fucking octopus. It just spreads out into the air like a fucking Lovecraft monster.
1: It's awesome. And I
0: jumped out of my fucking bed and I was like, what the fuck? That was amazing. And, like, the rest of the movie is kind of junk, but, like, that shot alone is so cool. And that kind of brings me to a point that we were talking about last night um, when we were watching The Reef Stalked um, shark movies for me, I love them so much that if I get like two good kills, I'm good. Cause I'll, I'll add them. I'll add it to like my playlist. Like I, yeah. I think if shark movies almost like they have good singles in them, they're not great albums. Sure. You know, it's like, I'm going to take the single the from restocked that.
1: Stocked is definitely that.
0: Right. It's like, Oh, there's a couple of good songs on that album. And I'll just put that in my playlist. Like, so I have lots of favorite kills from movies that aren't good, but like, then you had the ones like 47 meters down, which as a whole is fucking is a banger, like yeah. the idea is so good. You know versus like the reef one, some boringness stuff there too. The reef two, also like, hey, I'll take that scene, I'll watch that tentacles. Any kind of monster movie like that, I'll just borrow.
1: Well, and tentacles is more in the vein of like Orca, yeah, too. To yeah. where although Orca is much more classy, that one is it's That's got a full head, yeah. yeah. And Dino and Delorentis made it, Laurentiis made it, and you the Morricone score is incredible. It's dope. Helen Mirren's in it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like. Great creature I, effects, too. Yeah, great creature effects. That movie really fucking rules. Um, but, you know, there was also the Peter Benchley one. What was the octopus? Oh, The book? Beast. Beast. I, I like the TV movie. Yeah, the, with William Peterson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Larry,
0: uh, what's his name? Larry Drake? Yeah, exactly. He's awesome.
1: He has the Quint, the, the drunker Quint character. Much drunker so, Quint. Much drunker. Not just the character, just Larry Drake. Yeah. <laughs> But that that TV movie is pretty cool because it was kind of in that that Stephen King era heyday mm-hmm. where they were really trying to make those like two nights big events. Yeah, exactly. That yep. you, you read about in TV guide or in the paper and stuff. You're like, oh, I gotta watch Beast. I remember reading that book at the beach. I
0: watched it. I watched it all times. So I taped it because I was already huge into like any kind of Peter Benchley shit. By the way, that book, dude, fucking the Jaws book, is garbage. I think like the one of the weirdest things. The worst, oh, the original, yeah, it's one of the worst the book. books I've ever read. Especially when you watch the film, you're like, how to take a really okay idea and trim away all the trashy, like, right. romance shit. Because, like, Hooper's like, fucking like Brody's wife because they have a history together, yeah. Also, they keep coming home every night, they're not stuck out there for a couple of nights, they're like, oh, we'll just go home and go back out again. Like, it takes all attention. Like, you could see Spielberg and like Gottlieb, like, how do we make this? Good, um, but the Beast book I like. I like White Shark, which was made White into, Shark's really into cool. creature with Craig T. Nelson. A oh, weird, yeah. weird TV movie. But I love not uh, good either. It's not good, but the but the Beast is really good, and I think that every underwater monster type all comes from the shark movie. I mean, you know, it all branches out from them. And Gator movies kind of have their own logic sometimes because the Gator could come on land, which adds another like level or you know anaconda's a shark movie you know but plus it can come
1: you know out of the water dark um, water the the uh Ozploitation, big killer crocodile movie is basically jaws with a crocodile
0: yeah I mean rogue is one of my favorites from the uh, from McLean who did um uh Wolf Creek. Right. And that's one of my favorites. Or the Aja
1: uh, movie for from- Oh Crawl Crawl is really great. That's a little different. It's not quite a shark movie, but you're you're in the same kind of ballpark.
0: Yeah, Crawl has more. Again, the straight up survivalist narrative. Right. Like he adds the dumb shit about her being like learning to be confident. It's like all right, whatever. But it's basic enough, and and he and Aja knows how to make a banger of a fucking genre movie. The whole death scene of the people trying to steal the ATM during the hurricane from like the gas station across the street. Absolutely is incredible. Just like and Aja is one of my favorite living filmmakers for horror. And like when I heard he was doing crawl, a movie about a fucking giant uh, crocodiles trying to murder people. in like the middle of a hurricane, I was like, and I was like, okay, I was actually at South by my friend, um, Raphael, who's a film critic. Had they just released like the plot synopsis like that day. And he's like, do you hear about this? And I said, I think I need to see that like yesterday. Like that movie is made for me. Um, but yeah, you can go off on tangents all kinds of underwater monster shit. Um, but the shark is the ultimate.
1: Yeah. It all comes back to that. And the Italians would even make movies like devil fish, oh. which promised <laughs> oh. a shark on the cover, but it was actually like a weird Lovecraft like tentacle monster that comes after them. Not a great movie, but pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, and, and again, you get the
0: crossover with um, with movies like The Abyss and things like that where it's underwater creatures, you know, different when I think of an underwater base. But there's just so many ways you can go. Um, what else did you watch? Um, I
1: know we've talked a little bit, but besides our, our core group, I think we've covered pretty much all of them co- because I stuck to the Shark Attack series, the Reef series, the Jaws movies. You did Deep Blue Sea. Again. Deep Blue Sea. The, you know what? We haven't even talked about the the straight up front-to-back blockbuster banger that revisiting Deep Blue Sea reminded me that of a time when blockbusters were so much simpler and they were directed by Rennie Harlan.
0: It was um, it came out in ninety-nine, the summer before my sophomore year, and I wanted to see it more than anything, and I just it didn't come to a theater near me. I was in my parents' cabin in Wisconsin, didn't get to go. Um, rented it the day it came out. I remember it came out in like December. That's so we yeah. had to wait longer back then. Oh yeah. And it was a December like, and it was on VHS and I was with a bunch of my friends, like Evan and Brian. And I was like, they're like, we want to get, and I was like, guys, I'll do anything if we can get fucking deep blue sea. And we fucking screamed our heads off. I mean, just like laughter and excitement. Like deep blue sea has been talked about so much and everyone's like the Samuel L Jackson moment, the shock moment. But like, just taking it as itself, it fucking rules.
1: Like, and it's ridiculous. It's
0: it's insane, and it but it has a budget. The cast know?
1: is ridiculous between Tom Jane, Samuel L. Jackson, LL Cool J, Stellan Skarsgård, Stellan Skarsgård, <laughs> Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport. um, the what's her name? Oh, uh, uh, Saffron Burroughs. Saffron Burrows. But I was thinking more specifically Totoro. Uh, his sister, right, mm-hmm. from Sopranos, who plays Janice. Yep. she She's basically the Samuel L. Jackson character from, from Jurassic Park, because that's the other thing that's crazy, is that the whole plot structure of Deep Blue Sea is just Jurassic Park with sharks. 100%. Yeah. Like, right down to Drea... Uh, not Drea, De Mateo, Uh What's her... Totoro's sister being like the operator who's calling down the whole time while the place is like shutting down and like the water's caving in and everything. And you're like, Oh, she's the, she's the computer like control room guy from, from Jurassic park. Only here. You actually have Samuel L. Jackson in it too. In, I guess he's like the Hammond role almost from the book. Almost. Yeah.
0: Well, no, no. Cause he's, he's good. Yeah. Um, He's also like a ridiculous character. He that whole, He has the whole almost, he almost has his Quint speech earlier. Like the kind of like he's telling about. Oh, because his, he survived he, like ice. climbing
1: a, a, a mountain and being like trapped in like an avalanche and they ate people, it sounds like.
0: He's like, you think sharks are bad. You should see ice. It moves like it has a purpose. No, nah, I don't think that's how science works. It's like, <laughs> but that's cool. They give him his like. I've seen shit. Yeah. You know, but Tom, Tom Jane is like the badass, like swashbuckling hero. Who's like, a, has a criminal past. And he's just like, he's very much like the McCready character. Like yeah. he's just the working dude who everyone kind of looks to like, Oh, you're handsome. He's the you, help. He's, he's, he's the hap- help. He's just happy to be there. And he's, but he knows how to handle a gun. And one of the things I really like about deep blue sea, and something I always judge, um, shark movies on. is just like, the quality of their shark effects. I mean, obviously there are some with like really great effects. Some have really bad effects. And while there is some pretty questionable CGI in this film, cause it's fucking 1999, they built four fucking sharks that could swim without a gimbal. Like they're these, like they're each worth like a hundred thousand dollars and they have these servos inside and they, they're buoyant and they can swim with a remote control with,
1: with and ma- they're awesome. They're looking.
0: amazing. And there are other films that have stolen, I think they actually used the sharks from Deep Blue Sea in later films because they're just kind of sitting around. Right. They built, Renny Harlan being a crazy guy, like, well, what if we just built some fucking sharks? And it's, <laughs> it's so fucking cool.
1: Um, Gina, get me some sharks. Get me some
0: sharks. But like, um, there's also Michael Rappaport has one of the dumbest lines where they're like, Tom Jane's like, how tall are those uh, fences? it's like, eight or nine feet? give or take a centimeter. I'm like, that's, that's two different. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're on
1: two different continents
0: right now. <laughs> and Rappaport is like really Rappaport in this. Oh movie. yeah. He's so n- just nebbish. Like, well, um, actually, uh, can we, uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, just really really fucking like neurotic the entire time. Oh man, it's um it's it's a fun one.
0: Um and another one too, I mean we have to talk about The Shallows before we get to questions.
1: Yeah, I mean I The mean, Shallows is tremendous. It's another one of our favorite uh kind of B movie auteurs and Jomi uh call it Sarah. It's like and this might be his best movie. I there's no doubt. I think that Well, I really like House of Wax,
0: too. I do like House of Wax. But Shallows is... I mean, it's up... It's, like, not Jaws, but, like, it's probably... If not the best-made shark film besides Jaws. I mean, in terms of just, like, skill and suspense, the way they should... I mean, also, the CGI for that shark is, like, next level. It's incredible. It's, like, when he's, like, gnawing on the side of the rocks, it's just, like, so terrifying. And I saw this in the theater, and, like, it, it, even thinking about some of the scenes... Freaks the shit out of me. It's yeah. so
1: well done. And nobody's ever looked better in a bikini than Blake Lively. Like, she's so hot in this movie. Boobs Legsley, man. No, it's like. Boobs <laughs> Legsley. That's what
0: my, my friend Elise calls. Is always like, oh, you mean Boobs Legsley? <laughs> so, um, I saw this in the theater with my, my good buddy Dave um, when I was still living in Atlanta. And we were just like, again, hooping and hollering and having a great time. And for a movie with one character, I mean, that's not, again, it's well, not. Well, don't you
1: count Steven Seagull out of this. Uh, Steven Seagull, so you get the two guys
0: who die, um, and then also the guy who steals her shit. Right. But, like, it's it's just the survival movie. She's alone yeah. on this rock, and it it's her castaway. It, when it's, it, it's kind of like what they're doing. I showed you that trailer for that movie Fall, you know, where the yeah. girls get stuck, and it's like it dynamizes the space where it's like, all right, she has it all right, here's this rock, here's this rock, here's timing when the, um, the tide is going to come and go here. I have, all I have is my earring and this to like fix up my wound. It's so utilitarian, but you just understand where everything is and you see her kind of piecing it all together, you know, like a true, just pared down survival movie, you know, and the simplicity of just like, I want to live, I mean, it's like okay, her mom died. You have that kind of you know trauma or sadness. We're not even trauma, more just the sadness of like f- not really knowing what she wants to do with her life, and which has the question of should I live or not. And you face down a shark, and all just kind of crystallizes to I-, I want to fucking live. And I think it's just simply done and really effective. And she's great in it. Like yeah, she's it, a great lead. Like it's again, it it
1: this movie does deliver a little more than you expect emotionally from a yeah. shark film. So it doesn't quite fit into the mold of. Or at least the thing that we really liked where we're like, just do the thing. Just, right. Like, just does a little more to its credit, but... It I also mean, does the thing. It also <laughs> does the thing real fucking well. You want to get to questions? Let's do it. All right. All right. We're back with questions about 47 Meters Down, Uncaged, Martin. Top three shark movies.
0: Go. I mean, Jaws is number one. Let's say, let's take out Jaws. Let's say besides Jaws. Is that cool? Yeah. I just think you can't. Uh, yeah, it's the granddaddy. Um, so Shallows is number one. Um, 47 Meters Down, Uncaged is my number two. Um, and then for number three... I'm not going to do a, another because I like Jaws 2 would probably number three, but I'm going to, I'm just going to do Jaws 2. Fuck it.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. my number one. Like yeah. Jaws 2 is my number one. Um, the Shallows is two. Three is probably Tintorera. Yeah. Like I really love Tintorera. Mm-hmm. So that would be my top three. Yeah, it's.
0: It's such a broad genre, too. It's kind of like what kind of shark movie you're in the mood yeah. for. You know, like, you want trash? Do you want shark adjacent? Do you want to be
1: actually scared? Yeah, do you do want to w- be engaged? Do, do you, you want, want to have some fun? Yeah, do you want to just hang out with it? Like, what what do you want to do here?
0: And then, and then you know, we made fun of Asylum, but there are those times you want, like, a shitty, ridiculous, like, oh, my God, six-headed shark attack with Danny Trejo? Like, I'll spend some time with that.
1: Like, that sounds ridiculous. I so. won't, but I'm glad that you will. <laughs> I'm here for both of us, so. So we've got Double Feature then with 47. Well, I guess we can pick any of the movies that we did from our marathon, we'll say. Oh, from our marathon. Got up in that ass, You, you go first, bitch. if you have one. Um, I would go with Tinterrera, And honestly, I would just do a Reen Cardonia Double Feature um, with Cyclone. Cyclone's a really great one. Or uh, Survive. His uh, Andy's plane crash movie, that's like the the, the same as Alive um, with Ethan Hawke and all those guys about the rugby team that yep. ends up eating each other. Um, I also like Guyana called it The Damned. That might actually fit pacing wise better with Tintorera, but it's a little more severe. And so I think Cyclone would would fit the best with them just because I'd love to see, I'd love to show people more Reen Cardonia movies. I just enjoyed spending time with them. Night of a Thousand Cats might work really well with it to do like a Hugo Stieglitz double feature. They did a lot of movies together. And Night of a Thousand Cats, if you've never seen that, is one of the most insane films of all time as well. It's about, Hugo Stieglitz is kind of like a, uh, swinger who lives in a castle and flies a helicopter around to pick up random women, brings them back to his castle, winds them, dines them, then kills them and feeds them to his pen of a thousand cats that he keeps in the dungeon in the basement. Holy shit. Yeah. It's a bizarre film. Only like 76 minutes long too. So I would do with, um,
0: I think I would do with shark Knight, It's a really weird, like left turn is a uh, creature from the black lagoon. I think that's a great, like pre jaws. Okay. Water monster movie, but it has that kind of swampy feel. It's, you know, I think they shot in the Everglades, but it has that like similar topography. Sure. Um, but I've, that's like my favorite universal haunts monster movie period from that era. um, and I think it'd just be kind of fun to pair it that way. Other idea I had too was for Second Bayou is a Return of Swamp thing, the Wynorski film. Oh, I love it! And, and so my my brother and I, as one of our, our mutual favorite, or one of our secret handshakes, honestly. And they shot it um, out near where he lives in Savannah, Georgia. They shot it out in this like kind of nature preserve, and sure. and they he got me like the like limited edition pressed soundtrack on LP, which you can't get anywhere else. And they only like had it in that town. He got to meet some of the filmmakers. I bet Jimmy he before, super nice guy. Um, but I love Return of Swamp Thing.
1: It's incredible. It's so that was a TNT classic for me growing up. I watched it oh. so many times on cable.
0: What was that era? It was like before, it was, it was 89. It was same year as um, as Batman. Right. And it was like that era when they weren't quite, sure what to do with superheroes even like dc properties and it has the same one of the same producers uh michael melnicker the guy who like was one who kind of championed the batman movie he was the right. super nerd and so he also did he also worked on revenge of swamp Thing. so sorry return of swamp thing so i would do that we're all the better for it yeah and uh so remake sure what okay i have my idea is a little bit outside of these four um, if that's okay. Like if you could remake one shark movie, if that's, if that's fair. Okay. Okay. Do you want to go first?
1: Sure. Mako, the jaws of death. Fuck, you guys mind too. <laughs> really? Well, let's just talk about it. Then. Okay. Let's do the same one because I mean, this is technically the movie even before our uh, shark marathon that inspired this entire episode because we watched Mako, the jaws of death uh, together last year. Yeah. It's been a while. And we're like totally blown away by this incredibly outlandish slice of Florida exploitation. It's Grafay. Yeah. William Grafay. It's about Richard Jackal plays kind of a weird outsider who has a, a pen full of pet sharks, Not too unlike shark Knight. shark Knight and the Josh Leonard, like the backwoods characters. Um, but he, it's like his zen kind of space where like he loves them and feeds them and cares for them and they're not like killers or anything. Like it's just they're almost like his. He relates better to the sharks themselves. Well, then also, some shit goes wrong. Also, what he has the power to control them. Yeah.
0: So there's almost a superhero, um, setup to this movie is that he, um. He's the shark
1: whisperer. Yeah, he
0: almost dies, and he's taken in by um, an indigenous group in the jungle, and they basically, similar like the Phantom, like they bestow upon him. It's very pulpy and like 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 comic strip shit from the '30s. They bestow upon him a pendant that gives him the uh, ability to control sharks, which is fucking awesome. And that's why we should remake it because, like, can you? This movie is very low budget. Um, it's got a lot of charm. It's great. I would not change a frame, but. I would do like a $40 million like R-rated ripper of a horror kind of superhero thing where he controls sharks, you know, and he's the hero. And shark master. Shark master. And he's like uh, almost like a Swamp Thing vibe. It's another bad guy who's controlling some other kind of monsters. And it's like sharks versus whatever they are. Have you heard of alphas? No. No. So I, I thought it was actually coming out this year, but I guess it's a pre-production uh, in pre-production. But Sam Worthington's in it, and so the 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 plot is after the government shuts all attempts to cull a great white feeding ground off their coast, the only option left is to introduce their natural enemy into the same waters, led by a damaged and unpredictable killer whale. Nice. And like I think Sam Worthington like controls like the killer whale. He trained it to kill great white sharks. I'm like, I will watch that movie. Oh yeah, please. Another random one, um, did you ever see Dark Tide
1: with no, Halle Berry?
0: but you told me about it. It's really, I mean, it, it, the reviews were like scathing. Like they tore it, and it's dumb, but it's John Stockwell. Okay. And, and so Stockwell is a water guy, he did Blue Crush, he did you know Into the Blue, and then Dark Tide. She plays a um, almost like a shark whisperer as well, and these are real people who swim with great white. She has like the camo, the camo okay. kind of wetsuit and she loves them she she adores sharks she like fights for their you know pre, uh preservation but things go bad she's attacked and so she's kind of lost her step you know and it's about her getting back it's in, her tiger king it's her yeah it's very much that and the i don't know how they got it they got real great white shark footage with like a stunt person it's like some of the most amazing like shark photography again the idea of like taking taking uh, tracks from this album. There's some great shit. Okay. In, in dark tide. So I
1: have to check it out. Yeah.
0: But again, this, this episode is one of those we could probably talk for 18 hours. And I'm glad that we were able to watch
1: these many, these,
0: these many. And th- those five together was a super fun day. Yeah, it was great. So I really appreciate you. Uh, and I said one for me, I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm talking about this shit. So, well, last question. Face melter, yay or nay on forty seven meters down uncaged. The ultimate. I think it I
0: I think it's I think it's face melter. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean not the ultimate It's not a hard target, but I think like you get what you, you signed up for. I think the the shark shit is when it's insane, insane. The last twenty minutes when they're trying to escape and they keep being attacked by great whites outside of the cave is fucking like it's nightmare fuel of just like, just get out of the water, just get out of the yeah. water. So I think it has some of the best shark effects in, in recent years, you know, shallow's good of CGI for some of the shark stuff. So yeah, I don't know. How about you? No, really? I just think it's solid. Like yeah. it's good.
1: Like it d- not everything is a face melter just because like you really enjoyed it, but it's just, you know, I I'm, I'm glad I can't, I'm going to revisit it probably more than once. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's it. It's sturdy. Oh, that's fair. You know, no, no no knock on it. It's just I, not a face melt. I, me. I still love you. Sure. But we are going to transition from one predator to mo Predators next week. All the predators. All the predators are going to show up at our doorstep, and we're going to have a party because we're going to cover Prey, and in conjunction with that, we're going to do Predator 2, uh, one of my favorite sequels of all time. Um, from one of my this, favorite director, from one of your favorite directors, and has the sweatiest, angriest performance from Danny Glover ever. He is way too old for this shit. In <laughs> this movie, he's definitely way too old for Predators. That's for <laughs> fucking sure. But you'll have to tune in next week to Secret Handshake to hear more. See you then. Bye.